This is the Mini Market Podcast. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast, episode 50. And we've got a full house. R.I.P. Bob Saget. Dalton here with Isaiah Lucas and Connor. Fellas, how are we doing this week? You know, Dalton, we're doing great. I think uh, there's a lot of energy coming into this podcast. We're hitting the big 5 0. Um, usually, this is where people start to fall apart in their lives. They start to buy Corvettes, they start to get divorced, um, they start online gambling playing poker, that type of stuff. Um, they buy timeshares. But I think for this podcast, we're just going to stick to the online gambling um, and we're going to go strong into our 50s. I have an NFT in my shopping cart right now. Should I remove that? Pull the trigger, Gronk. So in episode 50, start of a new year, we wanted to roll it back in our original episode one podcast. We started off with our favorite sports memories of 2020 because that episode was what, like January 1st of 2021. So we're going to do that again. We're going to go favorite sports memories, the year of 2021. Do you guys remember what you said? Episode one, what your favorite memories were? I went back and listened. Oh, Dalt, tell us how that experience was. Because if memory suits me, (laughs) that might have been one of the worst podcasts ever created. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. The audio (laughs) was all over. We were kind of nervous. You could tell. (laughs) <laughs> it was we had some funny takes too but anyway here were our favorite sports members of 2020 connor's yours kind of was a had an asterisk next to it if you remember classic connor yours was from january 5th 2020 it was a vikings ot win in the playoffs so it was the 2019 season brilliant but it happened in 2020 loophole. we'll give it to kind you of a nice loophole we gave it to you isaiah's was august 20th 2020 the timberwolves Win the lottery, secure Anthony Edwards, and look how that works for us, baby. Right. Lose was money. Lose favorite November 29th, a week 12 comeback win for the Vikings over the Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> Who can forget that game? What? That memorable game. <laughs> what a year it was, Lou. Am I right? I guess. <laughs> Forgot we even played the Panthers, so woof. We'll we'll get to this later, but I have a I have I'm kind of embarrassed about my take from last year because I have an updated feeling about that take. So we'll we're gonna circle back to that I think when we get to to Wolves talk. But boy, right. that's embarrassing. But that tuned. was my favorite part of the year. And then mine was uh, August 18th. Kenta Maeda threw a near no hitter. That was my favorite. That was also kind of a meaningless game in the middle of the season. So, <laughs> so the rough Twins win two zero. Uh, it's not like we really had a list of like, you know, sports experience. team championships, like, ah, oh, which was your favorite championship of the year? It was, it was kind of slim picking and it was kind of, it's kind of the same thing this year, but I guess that's Minnesota sports. guess that's why they call it the blues. Okay. Here's a trivia question I have for you guys. Here's a trivia question I have. I was, when I was going through, cause I wanted to see, like, I felt like 2021 was a bad year overall, just like overall teams. So I was looking at win losses of the major four sports teams that we have here. How many of those teams do you think are over 500 as a franchise, like in their history of the four? And for the Twins, two. we're just counting the time in Minnesota. Oh, uh, still two. Right. Which two? Twins and Vikings. 
I might go Twins Vikings Wild, but it probably depends how you view overtime losses in the scenario. Are they just a loss? Uh, I use points percentage for the Wild, so over 50% of our game is getting a point. All right, I'm going all three then. Not the Wolves. I'm going um, <clears throat> same as I, Twins and Twins and Vikes. So surprisingly, the Twins were under 500. Yeesh. Whoa. They're like 60-some games that under 500. Deep. Yeah, like 4,789 wins, 4,852 losses. But then the Wild and the Vikes are both over 500. Hmm. No love for the Wolves, though. The Twins, the epitome of just being average. Like, so close to 500. So close. If they win, like, 110 games next year, there's hope. We're back. Huge. Honestly, the way that the roster is shaping out, I would say that's probably within expectations, if not the expectation. So, high hopes. No, what did Isaiah say last year or last episode? Low expectations, high aspirations. That's a Mike Welkley classic. Low expectations, high aspirations. And you'll never guess, but I got the text last night. It was Ian Eagle. The text read, wait, let me pull it up. I just got to get it right. Ian Eagle has the Bills Pats call tonight on CBS, Isaiah. Just let me know. And you <laughs> Wait, just a fact. He just texted me. He's like a he's like a you know those Twitter accounts where it's like, did this happen? Yes or no? And like all they tweet is like, or it's like Warriors, you know, Warriors uh, win record or you know, that kind of thing where it's like, did the Warriors win tonight? Yes. That's all they tweet, and people are like, Oh, this Twitter account. He's that for Iron Eagle. Like he just is Iron Eagle on Check the airwaves, and just I'll get the. T- I subscribe to that text. I get notifications when Iron Eagle is on the airwaves, and I love I it. <laughs> okay, so let's hop into our favorite sports memories of 2021. In case you're wondering, 2021 was statistically the sixth best year in Minnesota sports since 2000. If you sum up the overall win percentages of the major four sports, I thought it was kind of an underwhelming year, but it's, it was actually the sixth best. So fun fact. Anyway, let's start. Lou, what was your favorite sports memory? Did the Vikes play the Panthers again this year? Yeah, cross that one off. Yeah, we're going to steer clear of that one this year. A um, little bit different, not necessarily a an actual sports moment, but something I, I really enjoyed this year was um, the St. Paul saints becoming a part of the twins because then you, I love going to CHS and, and watching saints games. And now it's pretty much the same price and it's just a lot better baseball. You get to see triple a baseball basically. So little, little off the rails, but uh, that's, that's what I'm going with. I think it's tough for me to, to not top my Panthers win over last year, but <laughs> I'm working on it. Just to make sure, did you go to a Saints game this year as an affiliate of the Twins? I did. Nice. I, got, I made it to one That'd at least. That'd be kind of hilarious if you're like, yeah. <laughs> just didn't have it in the schedule, but I imagine it was a treat. Just, yeah, it looks great still. Connor, what about you? Lou, you could have gave me 50 guesses. I probably wouldn't have got that one, so that was pretty sneaky. That's good. I am going to go with going back to uh, last hockey season, and I'm going to go with last May, May 16th, the Wild 
take a 1-0 lead in the series over the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, if you remember that game, it was 0-0 through regulation. Erickson X scored a game-winning goal in overtime, and it was kind of like, oh, maybe we can beat these guys. End up losing the series in seven, obviously. Spoiler alert on that one. Um, but it was a lot of fun, I think, to just see the Wild compete in the playoffs and like be right there with one of the best teams in the league. So to think that I think we went into that series and people were probably thinking that the Wild were going to get beat around. And then to jump out to a 1-0 lead in a really good defensive battle against the high-scoring offense that Vegas had, that was um, maybe not the most exciting hockey game, but there were a lot of chances for a 1-0 game. It wasn't just playing slapstick out there. So um, that was a lot of fun to watch and uh, and gave us a little glimmer of hope for a minute there. Gotta love Zach Parise's uh, addition in that series too, right? Like that was that redemption story that Minnesota fans just, no we eat that up coming out from being healthy scratch to, did he have a couple wow. goals or an assist? He yeah, putting up points. he had like three or four points in the series, so fired up. Who's he play for now? Is he still alive? <laughs> Oilers, right? Still alive. <laughs> yeah. Or Islanders. Something or, orange yeah, and blue. Yeah, yeah because um, Suter's in Dallas and Prezi's in um, New York. Yep. Another one, speaking of Parise, one of my favorite podcast moments of the year, discovering the the Parise Everson lunch line debacle beef. <laughs> Serious stuff. We kind of cover the big hitters here. That's borderline investigative journalism, by the way. Sorry. I'll let uh, Isaiah Dalton take it from there. I'll go. Uh, I'm going with another obscure Twins game. June 11th. It was the Twins walk it off against the Yankees and Araldis Chapman. The Twins hadn't hit a walk-off homer in over a year. It was since 2019. They come to the ninth, down two against the Yankees. Chapman had been unhittable. He had like a .5 ERA coming into that, that game. Then Josh Donaldson goes top deck to left field, ties it up. Then Nelson Cruz, bing, bang, bong, walk-off homer. I was hyped. That was the most hyped moment of the season by far. It was a terrible season. That was kind of the peak where you're like, maybe we've been banged up, but this might be the turning point. And then I think they lost like six of the next seven. But for that night, there was hope that the Twins were back. That just makes me sad that you brought up Nelson Cruz. That's probably my low light for the year was him leaving. But nothing like trying to transport yourself to a period of time when you had so much hope and optimism in your life, Dalton. I really, I really love that for you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Isaiah. Ike, round us out. Yeah, I'll finish it off. Um, we kind of stick with our traditions of we go with our thing, although Lou broke that by going with uh, the Saints instead of the Vikes. Um, I'll, I'll stay in my lane. I'm going to go a Timberwolves memory. It's fairly recent. It's a hilarious game played between the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Boston Celtics. This game oh. featured the likes of one Greg Monroe, 10-day uh, contract Greg Monroe, COVID safety boy. Um, it had Jalen Noel absolutely going off for 29 points. You had Nathan Knight bringing all the energy in the stadium, in the world, to the stadium with 20 points and 11 rebounds. You had Jaden McDaniels putting up 17 it was just like 
peak Timberwolves fun game. It was just a fun game. Like Timberwolves fans, there's nothing we like more than heart and hustle. And that game had so much heart and hustle from the, from the pups. And it, it was like a zero expectations game. They played their hearts out. Everybody was flying around. It was marvelous. It, all, it just eked out game one of the season for me. Uh, where the Timberwolves obliterated the Rockets. I've never been more excited for a season after watching that first game <laughs> of the season because they looked so good. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Oh, I was like, yeah. everybody's an all-star. This team is insanely talented up and down the roster. I don't think any team's going <laughs> to score 100 points on us all season. Uh, Jaden McDaniels is the best defender ever. He's Gary Payton plus seven, you know? Like, just insanely good, but... Turns out some things uh, from that game didn't <laughs> matriculate into the rest of the season. Um, and that's why I think I had to go with this Boston Celtics victory, uh, Wolves victory over the Celtics as my fave game of the year. After that Rockets game, Isaiah had the over-under on wins at 63 for the season. And he was like, he was looking oh, at flights to Vegas. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I was buying my Wolves uh, playoff futures playoff fast. <laughs> After that Celtics game, if Greg Monroe had decided to run for mayor of Minneapolis the next day, I think he would have gotten, I think half the city would have voted for him. Eat your heart out, Jacob Fry. <laughs> yeah, I would have voted for him. You freaking know I would have voted for him. He could barely move up and down the court, but he was like, it wasn't just that he was there, he's doing it. It was like, he's old school basketball again. It's like, it's like just taking you back to when centers ran the league. It was just a time warp. He was like, this is what the Wolves need. That's what I was telling myself as the game. I was like, this is what Cat needs. He needs this big dude who can't move, who can't guard anybody on the floor with him at all times. This will make this team great. We need 10 post-up touches a game for Greg Monroe. The Wolves will be amazing. Um, but I think we all woke up the next day and it was kind of like uh, we had a... What a realization that maybe last night was just last night. We don't need to carry any of that forward. <laughs> Let's just enjoy it for what it was. A marvelous time in history. <laughs> Brutal. But seriously, my brother and I were, we were watching the game together and we're like, Greg Monroe, like, dude, we should sign him. Like we should a hundred percent sign him. We've always wanted the, the twin towers for cat. Greg Monroe is the man. And it was like by the end of that game, he, oh, dude, he, I would have loved to seen his shuttle run time at the end of that game. You guys remember the shuttle run from the Presidential <laughs> Fitness Awards when you were growing up? Uh, not a big deal. I definitely have a bunch of those patches on an old backpack. Um, I could do a lot of pull-ups as a nine-year-old. So Let's peel back that onion. What do you mean patches? You got a patch for being in presidential? Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to make you right. feel bad, Connor. But Are yes, you? if you were a presidential oh. fitness award winner, you got a patch. And if your See, mom was cool, she'd sew it onto your backpack See, for you. You would get a certificate. Like, not we. Okay. Yeah. yeah who, who got that certificate, Connor? The kids who did that would get a certificate. I, we didn't have patches at our school. Mm. We had both. That's yeah. We had both. Yeah. I just got, got never patch. got them. Oh, I just got, got the participation um, <laughs> ribbons, if you will. I got Explains one a lot. Lou explains a lot. Time for it. Yay. <laughs> no, but uh, how did we get to presidential fitness? Oh, yeah. Greg Monroe, shuttle run. He was not going to be getting that award. He could. He was not moving well. And I don't blame him. Like, how could you be in NBA shape coming off of wherever the heck he was coming off of? But, man, he was moving in cement. But he's making that it work. 
that grab rebounds. Not getting uh, the pull-ups either for that. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, he's standing flat-footed at the pull-up bar, which is wild. All right, I I have an actual admission to make here. I've got to come clean. I did. I did get those presidential fitness awards. I've got the patches to prove it, but. I will say this: there was probably a little funny business when it came to the sit and reach test. I don't know if I was technically doing it as you were supposed to. I may have been bending my knees quite a bit. That's um, a great point. But I'll never tell. Uh, you can't prove it. All we have are the patches, and the patches don't lie. So I just wanted to, you know, if we're going to go through this podcast together as a group, I just I feel like we have to be open and honest with each other. So. Thank you. I, say, like, I don't like listening. when random people touch my knee. Can my friends hold my knee for the sit and reach, please? <laughs> that may or may not I have been the exact guy. sentence that came out of my mouth. Um, I also may have done the whole like, just go and just Ooh. like jab forward and try to like push it. <laughs> <laughs> what is that sound? That's like a 75 year old man getting up the couch sound. <laughs> well, that was, that was the noise I made at 11 trying to touch my toes. And it's still the noise I make trying to touch my toes i mean that's just not part of fitness flexibility it's its own category keep it out of there people everywhere are just pissed right now yeah luckily we don't have a ton that listen (laughs) not a huge crossover did you guys have to do the pacer test when you were young where you have to run from like one end of a basketball court to another and it would beep and you'd have to get like past the end line before it beeped or you're out remember we did it in gym class Half the class when we did it, I think it was like my junior year, senior year, they just okay, missed the first it. one. <laughs> they missed the first three beats because they just wanted to be done. <laughs> and they just went and sat. And the teacher was like, you're literally getting an F for today. <laughs> and they're like, what does an F for today mean? Like, what does yeah, that nothing. actually mean? It means nothing. Gym. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely nothing. Um, at, here's an old school take. If I were a high school basketball coach and I was down to it on who do I take, who do I cut? I'm doing the pacer test and I'm going to find out which kid's going to be the 12th man with all the heart and hustle who pushes my starters on defense. Cause it's like not always the fastest kids that do well in the pacer test. It's the kids who I mean, just refuse to lose the ones that are going to push themselves to they puke on that hardwood floor. And that's the kid I want at the end of my bench. I don't know about y'all. Well, I would have missed playing for you. That's for sure. Ike. That's all right, Connor. I, I, you I would have been in my starting lineup, man. I know your post moves. Those no. speak for themselves and they speak volumes. <laughs> um, I only did the pacer test because this was like going into senior year of college. Trina, the soccer team, did it a lot. Like that was like a part of their like um, training thing. And if they didn't get a certain number, they had to be in the breakfast club, which meant they had to go on morning runs. Eesh. like 6 a.m so she was doing oh, it and i was like oh, i remember I've done this never even heard of it before until i got to college and she told me about it and we set up the cones we set them up way too close and i was like i don't remember what how you measure it but I, she was like this is like really high and i was like yeah i'm a freak athlete i will <laughs> tell you but like Pictures. it was like it was supposed to be i don't know if it's supposed to be like 20 yards and we did like it's going like half court we did like 15 yards and of He's course doing i'm the just shuttle like, run <laughs> Basically doing the shuttle run. I'm like, like this is fucking easy. I, How does anyone not? <laughs> yeah, that's literally my thoughts. I was like, God, people are so unathletic. <laughs> not me, though. Could, nev- could never be you. Yeah. So th- Puma, that's Is that a Puma or a Dragon, Connor? Just so I know. Is that's that a Puma? Puma? Yeah. Okay. Very good. Very good. Bingo. All right. Let's keep the throwback theme going. We... 
we used to do over-unders like every other episode, and that kind of died off after like episode 10, but we're going to bring that back. Some over-unders. For those of you who are new to this segment, we'll throw out some prop-style over-under bets related to our Minnesota sports teams, and we'll go around and tell you whether we take the over or the under. Let's start with the Wild. How many playoff wins do we think the Wild are going to have this year? Over, under, let's go with seven and a half. So if you take the over, that means they're going to win at least two series, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Lou, let's start with you. We'll save, we'll save the hockey guy, Connor, for last so he doesn't bias Ooh. our takes. Smart, doll. Um, I hate to be a downer, but I think I'm going to go with the under. I think at the end of the day, they're still a Minnesota sports team, and I just don't, unfortunately, think they're going to get it done. <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm got to go under. Under because Minnesota. Uh, I'll go next. Let's see. I'm going to take the over because I think this is maybe the best Minnesota sports team we've had in like a decade. So I'm going to believe all in, baby. What's the wild catchphrase slogan this year? Go wild. We're all in Minnesota. Don't teams have like slogans each year? Like, you know, run as a pack. All eyes north. That was a theme they did for a long time was our eyes because you could send in water from anywhere you wanted and they would put it into the ice. So like literally this is Minnesota's ice or whatever. I don't know if that's the theme this year. Um, I'm thinking is themes just something that really bad teams like Timberwolves do or is that do teams actually do it? It looks like theirs is this is the state of hockey. Is that what yeah. it is this year? It doesn't have a, quite the ring to it, but I think Mike Welkley came up with that one. Like this fact. is the state of hockey. Like, thank you. Um, and Ian Eagle has the <laughs> Ian Eagle on the call. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, really, nobody beats those Wolves ones. So, but yeah, this is the state of hockey. I like the R. Is it too late to jump on the fun. bandwagon? That is a cool. That's a cool deal. Oh yeah. All right. Like, gotten over and under. What are you taking? Um, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. First of all, I'm going to throw it back to Dalton and what do you call a Vikings defensive lineman? Uh, me giving a def- defensive Vikings lineman a piggyback ride. Pat's on your back. Pat's on my back. So if you guys remember back to last season, um, there was one drum that I was beating very heavily. There was a guy on the wild that I thought was absolutely sick. Um, I talked about him almost every podcast. Check the stats. And his name, Ryan Hartman, baby. Ryan Hartman has been a stud this year. Um, and in, I just like to think of myself as an elite hockey scout mind. So that's how we landed with Ryan Hartman probably being one of the best players uh, on the wild this year. Uh, potential all-star. So I don't know if we're out. allowed to vote, but if you're listening to this and you haven't, I think they're doing the last guy in vote. So head on over to the wild website and, and vote for Hartman. Uh, if not for him, do it for me. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go with, boy, this is tough. Um, I think, I think this year it's really about who's going to be there, right? Like we've just had so many people in and out of the lineup for a lot of different reasons, but I really think if we can have our full defensive unit there, 
um, and Talbot, I think we can win two playoff series this year. I really do. I think the Wild are sneaky good. I think they get scoring from a lot of different places, which I feel like good playoff teams always do. They can score up and down their units. What do you call them? Lines. There we go. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Talbot, he could get hot, get some rest in the middle of the year. Maybe he won't be as tired this year as he was, I think, last year. Um, and maybe more minutes for Kapman, as we've talked about, Connor, is probably good for the Wild overall. So yeah, I think we got two series in us, depending on who's there, obviously depending on the draw that we get. But there's not too many teams I'm super scared of, <clears throat> except for Colorado. Yeah, I think you ended on a keynote there for me. Um, why I think I'm going to go under because the NHL does this bullshit thing Quack. where they decide that you should only play within your division until the conference finals. So, like, the seating is like one, two, three in the central division, one, two, three in the Pacific division, and then a wild card to each. So the issue that we run into is like, I could see, I, I would project the wild to be the two seed out of the central. Right now, the Central Division has the Avalanche with 51 points, the Predators with 51 points, the Blues with 49, the Wild with 46. The Pacific, in first place, the Golden Knights with 48. In second, the Kings with 45. So the Wild have currently the fifth best point total right now in the NHL, and they have four games in hand on everyone or five games on hand on everyone except for Colorado. So in theory, once they catch up in games, they'll probably pass the Blues, maybe the Predators as well, um, in points and be the second highest point total in the league. That doesn't mean anything because your second round games against Colorado. So long story longer, um, I think I'm going to go with the under because the Avs are a wagon. They are loaded. They're deep. They are really talented, and it's going to be... I think the Wild should win the first series, and then that second series will be a knockdown drag out. And it's just really hard to believe. Like It's hard to believe the Avs won't win the Stanley Cup. They are loaded. So is there is there a hope that the Wild could beat the Avs, or is it just kind of like a David Goliath situation? I think there's a hope. I think it's really hard to know because of the same thing Isaiah touched on. Is like, who's going to be healthy? Who's going to be injured? how big of a role will COVID play in the playoffs, um, all that stuff. Because a full-strength wild team is like, we are really good too. And I think a lot of people know that if Hartman's still playing well, shout out, Ike. Um, we got Kaprizov. Like our forwards are playing really well, and our D are extremely deep, especially now with the extra experience that we have some of the the newer guys getting with, with Spurgeon out, with Brodeen out, you know, with Dumba being in and out of the lineup at times. So there's a lot of inexperienced guys that are getting quality minutes, which is huge for us. Um, so I think we, I think we match up okay, but it's just like this is the wild could end up being the second best team in the NHL this year. And the abs are feels like the clear number one um, points wise. That's not totally indicative, but because the Panthers and the Lightning have more points, so do the Rangers. But I just see the East as a lot easier. Like the bottom end of the East, the Canadians suck, Senators suck, Sabres suck. Even the Red Wings, Red Wings are pretty bad. Islanders are horrible this year. Devils are bad. Flyers are bad. So it's like, to me, the East seems a bit weaker than the West. And especially like the top end of the West is kind of beat, or the Central Division within the Western Conference are, are beating each other up a little bit. So 
Long story again, but I think the Wild lose to the Abs in the second round. I want to keep talking about this because I just jumped on the Wild bandwagon like four minutes ago. So Hey, remember, it's the state of hockey. This is the yeah. state of hockey. Is there one area where the Wild, you think, have an advantage over the Avs or the Avs just kind of better across the board? Because I know Talbot, I was surprised to see Talbot made the all-star team. So yeah. I don't know who the Avs goaltender is. I know they're pretty deep with like their forwards and stuff. Is it Darcy Kemper? Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. Oh, really? Kemper. So, I mean, that's the thing. I think the Wild, you could argue that the Wild are better in between the pipes. Darcy Kemper's their starting, and then Pavel, I don't know how to say his last name, but Frank Kuz, I guess. He's their backup. I think the Wild are match up pretty well at the goaltender, but, I mean, defensively, they're super deep and like their 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 centers are really good. I mean, just having two centers like Kadri and McKinnon who are like top top ten in the league in points, like that's huge. And then Gabriel Landeskog's been a staple forever. And their their whole team is just really, really solid. And again, it matters who's injured for them. You know, if we if they don't have McKinnon going into the playoffs, that whole team changes. So I guess my strategy would be lock up the two seed and break McKinnon's leg. Mm. So mm-hmm. if that plans out, pans out, I think we're gonna have a lot better chance they can run at this thing. Allegedly. Who's that uh skater? Should we hire her with the lead pipe? Is it Nancy Tanya Kerrigan? Yeah, should we get Nancy Kerrigan on the call? Jim Galuli. <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't think it could hurt anyone but Nathan McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's intriguing. All right, let's hop over to the Wolves. Let's start with some all-star talk. Over, under, 0.5 all-stars for the Wolves this year. We'll wait and let Ike go last. So we'll start with Connor, stick with you. Over, under, half an all-star for the Wolves this year. Dumb question to start, probably. Do they still do like the rookie, sophomore game thing, whatever they call it? Doesn't count. But yeah, 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 they do. Okay. All right. Anyways, even with that, I'm still going to go with one. I I don't have a lot to back this up, but I think Ant is good enough to be an all-star. Oh, maybe I'm hoping that, but I feel like he's a quality player. Maybe because he's young and he'll play in that game still. Maybe that, that that's why he wouldn't be, but I'm going to go with over. I'm going to be optimistic. And I'm going to say over. But the the NBA, in my opinion, the NBA, actually all professional sports league kind of sucks when they do like the fan voting thing. I understand wanting to get the fans engaged. But like you have bigger markets that are just going to vote more. And I don't know the exact formula, like if they take some from the fan vote and some from like a player's vote or what. But to me, that skews us. I know Isaiah and Dalton have talked about that in the past where it's like, you know, Dwight Howard long after his prime was getting in because he was playing on the right teams in the right markets or like there's a lot of guys like that that they play in large markets so they get a ton of fan vote and they make the all-star game. So that's where I think the easy answer is to say under because of those factors. The Wolves not being, they don't play a lot of primetime games so people don't see them play a lot and the whole thing fu- kind of adds up. But you know what? If we don't have faith, what do we have? And so I'm going, I'm going to be faithful in the Wolves here and say, over it might be the only time I say over on any of their <laughs> over unders, so this is my chance. Lou, what about you? 
Well, tough to follow that up, but uh, I'm going to go over as well. I think they get one. I think one of them sneaks in. Okay, I'm going to zag and say under, and here's why. I think Ant is still viewed as a little bit too efficient, too inefficient to make the squad, so I don't think the media members are going to give him much love. To go back to Connor's point about like the formula, I think the NBA does like partial fan voting, but then it's also like coaches and media. MLB does like straight fan voting to determine the starters, but I think NBA is sort of a mix. I think Ant's a little too efficient. I think Cat still gets a lot of hate for not winning, and uh, he's had some games where he's sort of underperformed in, in big spots, so I don't think he's going to get love, and then D'Lo's just been hurt uh, and shot too poorly this year, so I'm going to zag, say none of them get it. That's not the, to say that none of them deserve it. I do think Cat should be an all-star, and Ant is sort of a fringe guy but I don't think they're going to make it. Ike, wrap us up. Man, that was well said. I think this is just a jaded opinion for me on the all-star voting is I just don't like the system. I think it just, as we've talked about, favors too many teams uh, with big markets. Like you look at Andrew Wiggins is leading for his position in all-star voting. It's just like stupid. Um, so, I mean, it is good that you finally have somebody at the back end who's like, hey, no. You know, like somebody who's really following it can just be like, no, that person's not the best at their position. Um, it's a popularity contest still, though. I think even with that, like even with people who really follow the sport, like they're still picking a lot of the most popular players. Um, like Clay Thompson was up there in voting. He's played wow. 10 minutes this year. Um, Same with Kyrie. Dumb. Kyrie yeah, is like just sixth dumb, most right? in the East. Yeah. yeah. Um, but with that said, yeah, I don't think we're going to get any. And I think it's because Kat has... it's gone beyond him not winning i think now he's just not likable league-wide like i yep. think i think players like cat i think he's respected by his peers but i think like fans and fans of other teams and fans and like writers of other teams don't like cat anymore because he's just like he's too demonstrative um and so it's just like he's he's seen as kind of like an annoying player um and that doesn't make you a ton of friends Okay, this was a take that I started a long time ago and then stopped and said I was going to hold this cat take. Ooh. I'm going to throw it out now. Oh. I think Cat is one of the only star players in all of sports who would who his his current team's fans would hate him as soon as he's off the team. If he was traded, I think Minnesota fans would hate Cat. He's everything Minnesota people don't like in athletes. He's soft. He complains all the time when you watch him. He's constantly complaining to the refs. And in post-game interviews, when they lose, he, every time they lose, he, he acts like, I don't know what to do. I'm sick of losing. And it's like, he is a large part of the problem in some of these losses, but he acts like there's nothing more he can do. So I think if Cat were traded, he would be the antithesis of Minnesota sports and Minnesota sports fans would hate him. And I think there are very few star players in any sport whose current fans would hate them as soon as they were traded. There are guys like Pat Bev who are like the sort of annoying dudes like you love to have on the team, but hate them when you're playing against them. But there are very few stars like that. LeBron, is he one? Is LeBron one? Just Is it just because of how he leaves? But he has a lot of those same characteristics, I think, as Kat in the way he like uh, his attitude on court and the way that he's perceived on court they make some of the same faces and like those types of like annoying shoulder like hands up like begging for something type looks 
Um, but yeah, that's a that's a very interesting take, though. I think you might be right, and I almost think that right now there's fans that borderline hate Carl Anthony Towns, and he's still on the team. Yeah, maybe the tone is sort of changing now that there's Ant, who's this like light, Opposite. sort of fun guy, but sort of a leader and an alpha. Or Cat's starting to rub people the wrong way one too many times. Let us not forget to remind mini market fans to get your thesaurus out um, when Dalton starts speaking, because and this is the, 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 so <laughs> enjoy that, people. Get up. It's a word. Let's Dalton. Let's dive a little deeper onto your Anthony Edwards. You texted me the other day. I think it was when during the New Orleans game, uh, and you said you had kind of a hot take. Do you wanna Do you wanna share that with the group here? Yeah, I said I think Cat's intimidated by Ant. He'd never say it because he wants ah. to be a leader and wants to be an alpha. But I, I think it's becoming pretty clear that Anthony Edwards is the alpha on the Minnesota Timberwolves and Cat is maybe the beta or whatever comes after beta, uh, like <laughs> Omega. Really? So you're saying D'Lo's the beta? Wow. <laughs> yeah, D'Lo might be the beta. Oof. <laughs> Little beta boy cat, huh? <laughs> beta boy... I just don't like Cat's leadership style, and I think he—I I think he wants to be given the role of team leader, but he hasn't really earned it. And Ant is kind of slowly earning that. And the way he talks in press conferences is a little more genuine than Cat. I think Cat's sort of got a lot of canned things that he sort of prepares and throws out, but he doesn't always mean it. And it's—it's kind of clear when you listen to him. Yeah. I mean, good leadership isn't always about tenure or age, right? Like I know Cat has the longest tenure on this team. He's seen the most. I think that's almost worked against him in a sense, because I think as fans, we've seen him go through so much and we've also seen his teams lose so much that you start to like lose faith in his leadership. Um, I don't think a lot of that really is his fault or has been his fault in the time that he's been here. Think about like an insane amount of turnover in teammates, a insane, insane lack of talent in teammates and in just some like not very good situations in terms of coaching and like the front office while he's been here. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that has worn on him. So his tenure hasn't necessarily benefited him as a leader um, because he's, he's sort of been thrust into a situation where he had to kind of become one quickly. Um, and not everybody's like built to just like, all of a sudden wear the big boy pants when it comes to leadership. Like it, some people need like a little bit more time to develop their skills as a leader. Um, and I think Anthony Edwards is the opposite of that. Like he just has a charisma about him um, that makes him easier to follow. Uh, it, I think, I think some of his like, like on court leadership skills are still developing. I think, you look at like the last couple of games where he's just like, sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not. Um, he's, it's kind of been that way a lot with him is like, sometimes he's present. Sometimes he's not really focused on defense, like all these types of things with Anthony Edwards. Um, but I, I think the way he owns up to it shows me that he's growing as a leader uh, and he, he can change those things, but yeah, that's a, that's an interesting take. And I think it, it does lead to a little bit of friction between the two, potentially if cat is really, uh, upset about it the way that you think he might be. I think Kat's just very, he's very afraid to be perceived as weak by the media or to be perceived as soft. And I think he's very aware of when people start to perceive him as that. Like there 
remember the meme that went around for a while where it was like cat trying to muscle through anthony davis and cat was sort of grimacing trying to push through and davis was just standing there like straight faced like stuff like that wears on cat and so he'd never he'd never outwardly say that you know ant is is the leader or whatever but i, I think he is threatened So let's stick with the Wolves for our next over-under. Let's say over-under for the playoff seed or the seeding that they are in the West this year. Over-under set at 7.5. So if you take the under, that means you think they'll be the 7th best team or better. If you take the over, they'll be the 8th best team or worse at season's end. I'll start. I'm going to take the over... I think they're going to be in the 8-9 range. I think they'll definitely be in the play-in. But, I mean, you look at some of the teams that are around them. Denver is currently the 8 seed. I mean, there, there are some good teams that have sort of underperformed. Um, if they're going to get up to the 7, they'd have to be better than Lakers, Clippers, Denver, Dallas, two of those teams. And I'm just not sure they're there yet. Lucas? What do you have to say? I'm going to go with the over as well. Um, I think that they're certainly going to going to get there, but I think they just haven't been consistent enough to make a push to get over that that seventh seed. So I'm going to go with the over. Um, in the words of Stevie Nicks, as of now, it's a landslide, baby. Um, I'm going over as well. I just I don't. <laughs> I don't see them getting... It's essentially what Dalton said. I don't see them getting above those teams. And they're just playing like a little too inconsistent for me to be like, oh yeah, I think they can get to the six or the seven. Ike, are you on board? No, I'm not. I think they're going to be better than... I think they'll be at least the seventh seed. I've got them pegged as the sixth seed. Um, this team is poised to make a run. I can see it in their future. And they're going to start like rounding off some of those bad losses and they're they're sick of it it's not going to keep happening um you also look at like who's around them like right now we're the nine seed and there is a massive drop after them so and then it's just the clippers lakers nuggets uh i think the lakers are going to be the team that's going to jump like stay in front of the wolves potentially i think they're going to be the most aggressive at the trade deadline they're going to make some big moves but you know, there might be a little bit of like a, a learning period for those new Lakers. I think the Nuggets, they're a solid team, um, but they're not great. And the Clippers are going to run out of steam. So it's going to be these young pups, baby. Howell. Spike is oh, about yeah. one good win over Houston of putting them at the three seed, though. So let's keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> I do think the Wolves have one of the easiest schedules left of all the, the teams in the West. So... There's some hope there. Promising. And it's like that easy schedule almost gets easier if you think about like post-trade deadline. It's like the sellers have sold and they're really trying to get those draft picks and trying to get their order solidified. So it's like it's easy now when you look at it. But if all these teams that we think are easy don't like our sellers at the deadline, that schedule becomes even easier. Because then they're actively trying to lose games. And we're trying to win. Mm -hmm. And do you want to do it or should I, Connor? I think you should do it. Okay. Oh! All right. Well, 
That is actually a pretty good segue to uh, something I've been thinking about when it comes to the Wolves uh, and being a Timberwolves fan. Um, and it, it comes down to expectations and trying to define success for the Wolves team, this Wolves team specifically, but also for the Wolves franchise as, as a whole. Um, and I'd say my thesis statement for this is that I'm going with progress over hope. That's what I think uh, the definition of success mm. should be for the Timberwolves. Um, the Wolves, a lot like many other uh, downtrodden franchises all across sports, are plagued by something we call hope. It's a, it's a disease that has infected the minds of Wolves fans. There's been too many seasons for the Wolves where they're high up in these lottery expectations. Um, and that, as we saw last year, ends up being the only thing that we're excited about for a full year. That was me saying that us, the Timberwolves, winning the lottery was my favorite sports uh, memory of the year. And that comes down to the disease of hope. Um, because it, it just like clouds our vision of, of progress. It, it scares us of being in the middle as a franchise. And for the Wolves, being in the middle isn't, an, isn't a bad thing. Being above 500 or right around 500 and just making the playoffs and getting bounced in the first round. It feels gross, but it's not. Especially when it's happening the way that it's happening for this Wolves team. This isn't like the 2018 Wolves team that made it to the playoffs, got bounced really quickly um, because that team was trying to skip a ton of steps. Like Tom Thibodeau was trying to fast forward into success uh, and that just can't really be done for small market franchises or mid market franchises like the Timberwolves. Like you just, you're not allowed to skip the steps. You have to go through some of the lumps. Um, And so I think that's why for this specific Wolves team and the way that this team is being built, I think that, making the playoffs, being at or around 500, getting swept even in the first round is a good thing. Like those are very positive experiences for this team. Like at some point we've seen, like there's so many teams that can attest to how worthless it is to just amass high draft picks. Like the Wolves obviously are a great example. The Magic, the Kings, the Thunder, the Rockets, the Pels, they know that like draft picks and hope don't necessarily mean anything. They usually just end up putting you right back where you started, where you're just hoping for the next guy to be the thing that comes and saves your franchise. Um, and so I'm, I'm seeing some of this like feeling right now with these, with like wolves fandom and wolves Twitter, where it's like, we, we know we have a very good idea of almost exactly where this wolves team is going to land. And it's somewhere around the seven or eight seed in the playoffs. We might be in the tourney. We might not be in the play in tourney. Right. And I think that's like got a lot of people like, like scared, feeling bad, feeling like this is a failure of a season because we're not going to make it to the finals. Um, and I think that that like boomer bust mentality is really dangerous because the hope, that comfort of feeling like I know we're bad, but we might get really good in the future. If this one thing breaks our way, this one draft pick breaks our way, if the balls align and we get that high pick, like that is way easier as a fan than being stuck in the middle where you're like, my team is right around 500. We're going to get bounced from the playoffs. Like, where do we go from here? Um, so I'm saying stick with it. You've got to have measured levels of success as a fan. And it, it can't just be championship or bust. It can't be semifinals or bust. Like you have to be realistic about what your team is, about what they're good at and about what they could be good at. 
And I think this Timberwolves team we've seen has won a good amount of games. They have a lot of like people who are progressing quickly, but they don't do any of the things that good teams do. Like they don't do any of the team things that good playoff teams do. And I'm talking about they're not efficient in the half court. They're 21st in offensive rating and 22nd in effective field goal percentage. Over the last 10 years, your NBA champion has been in the top three in effective field goal percentage and offensive rating every single year. Those are two things that you have to be really good at. You have to be good in the half court and offense. The Wolves are really bad. We've seen that time and time again. If they're not getting out in fast break, they struggle to score. Um, good teams get to the foul line. Wolves are bottom three. Bottom third, excuse me. They're 22nd. They just don't get to the foul line. Uh, good teams don't turn the ball over. The Wolves are 28th in turnovers per game. Good teams don't foul. They don't put the other team at the line. Wolves are dead last in free throw rate against. Um, good teams clean up the offensive boards in the playoffs. Wolves, bottom third. They're 28th in offensive uh, rebounds allowed. And they have a good bench. Good playoff teams have a good bench. The Wolves don't have that right now. 21st in terms of scoring from the bench. They just don't get enough buckets from their bench. Um, there's a lot of things that you can look at. And so what, what I'm saying is like, be happy that the, this Wolves team has gotten as far as they have so far in the season and are projecting to do as well as they could in the season based on them doing none of the things that really good teams do. Or like not doing a lot of the things that really good teams do. Because I think a lot of these are correctable. Uh, I think I trust Gupta to make some good moves either at this deadline or over the offseason to kind of fill out the bench a little bit, add a key piece here and there. And I think Finch is going to, and the coaching staff will address a lot of these things that we're seeing that aren't great, that great teams do. Um, so I think, I think mitigate your expectations, be realistic, and you'll feel a lot better. And don't, as a fan... Don't find solace and hope at the bottom. Be comfortable where you are in the middle. Enjoy the ambiguity. Wow. It, it's, it's an interesting kind of thought process, Isaiah. I think that was a really good monologue. Um, like, <clears throat> I'm thinking about it from the standpoint of like all the Minnesota sports teams and how like you really do have to gauge them differently in success. You know, like for the Wolves, it's exactly that making the playoffs and even getting bounced in the first round. It's like that is progress. Whereas like we're looking at the Vikings and it's like they're right there, right? They're right around that 500. They're close to the playoffs in and out every year. And it's like that's just not good enough for that team. And the only thing that, that scares me is like, I think back to like the 2019 twins and being like, we're right there. Like, like we, we feel like we have this younger team that's coming into their own. And like, I'm nervous that maybe the wolves have that too, where like we're a, maybe a move or two away from becoming the team we want to do. And then is it going to be a situation like the twins where then you kind of fall on your face the next year when the guys just like, don't come out and produce, but ultimately isn't that just sports fandom in general? Like every year it's like, the, the team sells the hope like you're talking about. And then it's really just like what actually happens. How good are we against measurables and like where we are at wins and losses. So it was a fun, kind of a fun ride there up and down. At one point I thought you were pulling me back away with those stats. Cause I was like, Jesus, yeah. but got to your point. Appreciate that. And like it is true. Like we are statistically poor in a lot of important categories and still winning games. How we're doing that. I have no idea. But we're getting it done. We're getting it done. And it's like, 
we're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs because when you get to the playoffs, a lot of these things matter a lot more than they do in the regular sure. season. The court, like it's just less open. Teams aren't going to let you run on them as easily as they do in the regular season. Everybody's going to be way more engaged on every possession. And there's going to come down to, it's going to come down to like winning time when you have to be effective in the half court. And I think we've seen that with the wolves this year, like in terms of their fourth quarter efficiency and their clutch time efficiency, their bottom third in both of those. And that really comes down to their inability to be effective in the half court through their own offense. Um, but I think, I think the point about like it's different for every team is really important. Cause you're right. Like the Vikings do have way different expectations. And then with the twins, like I feel like windows in the NBA can be a lot longer than they are in the MLB, just because there's, you know, like the salary situation is different and there's way less moving parts when it comes to the NBA. Like if you have a really good core, which I think mm -hmm. the wolves are, well on their way to like amassing a really solid core. Um, it's all about just tweaking that those like key pieces around you. Um, I think two really good examples of franchises that like the Timberwolves should be trying to emulate are the Jazz and the Nuggets. Um, they have slowly climbed their way to like the tops of the Western Conference. I know the Nuggets this year um, are a little disappointing these last maybe year and a half just because they've had some injuries to key people. Um, but they both kind of went on the same rise. You look at the the Jazz in 2015 for ninth in the NBA, just missed just missed the playoffs at 40 and 42. So like that's where I'm putting the Wolves like now is like I'm saying the Wolves are like the 2015 2016 Jazz kind of. So then 2016 they go 51 31. They are the fifth seed in the playoffs. They win a playoff series and then they get swept by the Warriors who were a wagon that year. Whatever. Um, and then they run off two more th uh, fifth place finishes in a row. Um, they get as far as the second round a couple times throughout that stretch. And then last year, obviously, they're the top team in the West. Um, and that's just in a six-year, five-year, six-year span. Uh, and the Nuggets have a similar growth pattern. Uh, and it, it, for both teams, it was really about they got Rudy Gobert, if you're the Jazz, and then they got Donovan Mitchell. And they had Joe Ingles. They filled in a few of these like really key pieces, Bogdanovich. Um, and then they've had some rotation around them on the outskirts. And it's the same thing with the Nuggets. They got Jokic and they got Murray. Um, and then they kind of f can fill in some key pieces around them. Um, and, and neither of them were like a flash. Like they didn't just all of a sudden become a great team. Like you have to build to become a good team. And neither of them took, took steps backwards from 2015 to 2021. Like they slowly and surely got better every year. Um, and I think that's what the wolves need to try to do is like, just be okay being like kind of okay for a little bit. Like don't resort back to just being an absolute shit team to try to get another draft pick. Cause it doesn't really work. You said, quote, it feels gross, but it's not. I think that should be the Timberwolves slogan mm. <laughs> this year. And it really describes Timberwolves fandom. It feels gross, but it's not, it's fun. It's also Colts slogans. Come on, it feels gross, but it's not. Give it a try. <laughs> Fuddruckers, that's their slogan. I think we'd have to check the TM for them. I think you make a, a lot of... That was awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Loved it. And I think something else to sort of pile on top of your point of that, like it's okay to be all right and not bad roster for such a long time that I think the fact that they have like a good core now people have such high expectations and are like why you know why isn't this team with two max guys and number one pick who's a star like why aren't we like a three or four seed in the west but the nba is just so much better than the last time the wolves had a decent team like 
you go back to the 2013-14 Wolves when it was to 40 and 42. Like the skill level overall league wide has just risen so much since the Wolves were last good. I mean, other than like the one Jimmy Butler, obviously, but it's just the whole league has risen up. So the fact that the Wolves, yes, this is like the best Wolves team sans Jimmy Butler in like a decade, but they don't need to be a three or four seed to be to be a success. Like Totally agree with all your points. Just wanted to yeah. add on. And I, I really like to call out that 2018 season because I think the circumstances that lead to the expectations for this season versus that season are so fundamentally different. Like you look at the work that like Thibodeau did to sort of dis- like deconstruct a roster and try to quickly build a really good winning team um, it is very different than the way that Rosas and Gupta have been slowly developing a roster and bringing teams like the players along and have like more of a vision long term where for that 2018 season, it kind of was like, yeah, we need to get out of the first round. We need to be a top four seed. We've invested a lot into being that. Um, And so we've kind of hemorrhaged our future to be that you look at like trading Zach Levine. That was a massive trade. Uh, You traded Ricky Rubio again, like, these were big trades for this team. You you lose picks in this stuff. Like you, the expectations were higher versus this year. It's like we've slowly gotten to this point and we see a better future in front of us. So the expectations don't have to be as high. Low expectations, high aspirations. That's what I'm talking about, Lou. That's what I'm talking about. Good ad. That was awesome. Okay, one last thing. When I was listening to our first episode, Connor Kern, you said, I'm always a Kirk Cousins guy. It's in my Twitter bio as proof. Well, I checked that Twitter bio. Uh Uh-oh. There's no mention of Kirk Cousins. Explain yourself. Are you off the Kirk bandwagon? Have you sold your Kirk stock? No, the reason it changed is because um, it's kind of a sellout answer, but now my uh, Twitter bio, is it has to be a little bit more professional than previously. So I'm still on the Kirk Cousins bandwagon. Honestly, like if we did like an overrunner for the Vikings next year, I have no idea. With the new regime, like they could blow it all up. I, I still think that we can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins, and I realize that a lot of people are like, oh, that's bold strategy, but... I think it's all there. It's just a matter of getting the pieces around him to do it. I'll always be a Kirk Cousins guy. I've died on that hill numerous times. And I'd say I'd battle, I battled pretty hard to get a lot of people onto that hill. So um, always a Kirk Cousins guy. The Twitter change was totally unrelated to Kirk's situation. But I appreciate you keeping me honest. All right, that'll do it for this week's Mini Market Pod. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Mini Market Pod. See you next week. Go Wolves. Also, if you are interested in more Wolves talk, yours truly, Zayerman, will be a special guest on the CND NBA show. It is a podcast yes. over on the Zone Covered Sports Network. Uh, pretty good podcast. They talk NBA in general and a lot of Wolves. So I'll be on there for this week's episode. Definitely check them out. Uh, like and subscribe to ours, po- our podcast and to theirs. It's the C&D NBA show.
Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely checking that out. Cannot wait to hear Zayerman. Talking pups. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life. And end scene.